headline news on the transporter room this week. Brittany Griner returned to the United States last Thursday after 294 days in a Russian jail. And today is just a happy day for me and my family, so um, I'm going to smile right now. History, distance, mud, and guts of the U.S. Cyclocross Nationals, and it featured a race to evolution with the first non-binary division national championship ever. I refuse to race as someone that I'm not anymore. It's not worth it. And one year after being maligned, Austin Killips came back and did just fine. I feel like I raced really hard and I'm, you know, proud to, to lay it out there and get the results I got. But there was some late breaking news that broke up some of the happiness. The Professional Disc Golf Association put out their newest transgender policy. And we're just going to call it the Natalie Ryan rule. At the end of the day, What's actually fair is that, you know, our our bodies aren't policed. We 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 all get a chance to play, and and the competition isn't, you know, rigged. Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And we had a lot of stuff this week. Massive breaking news all weekend, including the USA Cycling Cyclocross National Championships. Yes, we were there. We're going to have a full report for the on the weekend a little bit later on. But first, breaking news from the world of disc golf. The Professional Disc Golf Association announced Monday night that it would enact policy to restrict the participation of transgender women in the women's divisions in the sport, effective January 1st, 2023. The policy will allow trans women to compete in the top professional women's divisions if any one of the following three criteria are met. First, hormone replacement therapy continuously for at least 24 months prior to competition with a blood serum testosterone level less than two nanomoles per liter during that period. This is the most stringent testosterone standard in sports right now. Any suspension of treatment will disallow the competitor from competing in women's divisions and the time will they will be allowed to reapply will reset when treatment restarts. Now, gender-affirming surgery is the second criteria. Gender-affirming surgery along with documentation showing a blood serum testosterone level less than two nanomoles per liter for 24 months prior to competition. Now, the interesting thing is criterion number three. Starting medical transitions such as puberty blockers prior to age 12 or before standard stage two, whichever comes last. The policy also builds separate eligibility standards for the PDGA major championships and elite series tour events. Participation in the female professional open division at the major championships would be restricted only to transgender women who are eligible under the third criterion that mandates the start of transition prior to puberty. In the other tournament, the only only the mandates on testosterone levels or surgery would apply. Now, one participant who definitely doesn't like this new new regulation is Natalie Ryan. Now, Natalie Ryan is a transgender woman, and she won two elite-level tour events this past season. She said via Instagram, quote, this change was never about fairness. 
This is about my success and their aversion to it. On Tuesday, Ryan announced that they had started a crowdfunding campaign to raise money for possible legal action against the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour. According to the statement on the crowdfunding site, quote, this policy attacks touring athletes due to my success on the 2022 tour. I've always been and will always remain an incredibly dedicated athlete. I participate in sports since I was seven. I've played disc golf for five years at the time of writing this. If I had an advantage in sport, my stats and play would be better. The reality is I'm not all that great, but I'm good enough to win. And that alone scared people into believing I was some monster. End of quote. Now, Ryan echoed similar sentiments in an interview with me three months ago after her second tournament win of the season. Here's what she had to say. They, they don't understand that what went into what my form is and how long it took me to get to where I'm at. I mean, the entire first year I played this game, I sat in a field and I threw as hard as I possibly could every day for like five to six hours. Uh, what's next is, is hopefully I get to keep playing on tour and, and hopefully the disc golf community doesn't come out and try and remove me from the game that I love. Another important voice in the world of disc golf is Kelly Jenkins. She is the PDGA's first out transgender competitor. And in an interview I did with her on Monday night, she said, quote, the PDGA handled this entire policy very unprofessionally. I found out about the changes from people other than the PDGA. The policy is very convoluted and, in my opinion, is designed to intentionally create more barriers to transgender women competing in the female division. The fact that I had to discuss my genitals with them in 2014 to be allowed to play in the female division was bad enough. Now I have to go through a whole new set of gatekeeping devices to compete. It feels like the medical committee and the PDGA in general did not follow any sort of best practices while creating this horrific policy. They used poorly written surveys to validate their decision. They used poorly created studies, many of which have been debunked on trans athletes as guidelines. She went on to say, quote, the fact that the medical committee doesn't understand that in some states, trans youth can't get affirming care by law means that where you are born will determine whether or not you can play in the female divisions just shows their ignorance on trans issues. You know, I do a last call. Well, this week I need to do Carly's first call. The PDGA, unfortunately, has followed in the footsteps of the International Swim Federation and Union Cyclist International, the governing body of cycling around the world. There is no scientific, medical, or competitive basis for this rule change, period. Once again, another governing body is going by that well-known unwritten rule. A transgender woman can play as long as cisgender women always win. If the transgender woman wins, we call her a cheetah. The win is suspect, and we put in rules to make sure that no other transgender woman can ever play again. So say we all. Now to those who say, oh, Natalie can just play in the mixed professional open division, which is really a de facto men's division when you really look at it. Yes, by rules, she could, but to do so by force and not by choice is a form of misgendering. 
Another thing to consider. There was a player on the tour who had a stat sheet that read like this. They played in 22 tournaments this year. They had 21 top 10 finishes. They had no finish lower than seventh. 11 total wins for the year, including one of the majors, the Disc Golf World Championship. Now, to those who say that Natalie Ryan would dominate, Natalie Ryan knows won two tournaments this year. By your own logic, if Natalie Ryan and the fears of her dominating force her to play not as the woman she is, then the person whose stats I just raised should have to join Natalie in the MPO. Oh, by the way, the stats, they belong to Kristen Tatar. She was the tour champion this year. 11 wins in 22 starts this season. Clearly the best player on tour. Clearly dominant. Oh, by the way, Kristen Tatar is a cisgender woman. Hashtag just saying. At least a few of you that are trying to relegate Natalie Ryan to being basically called a man would scream bloody murder if the PDGA said, "Uh, Ms. Tatar, you had too good a year. You got to play in the MPO next season. Think about that. In other news, President Joe Biden signed the landmark federal protections for marriage into law on Tuesday. The Respect for Marriage Act was signed on the South Lawn, rather, ceremony. And the president said the event reflected the importance of the moment for him. Racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. But the antidote to hate is love. This law and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all its forms. And that's why this law matters to every single American, no matter who you are, or who you love. In the signing ceremony, the president also noted the return of Brittany Griner to the United States on Thursday. She was released from a Russian jail and flown back to Texas. Her wife, Cheryl Griner, during a press conference at the White House that morning, said she was just glad to have her wife back home. Today, my family is whole, but as you all are aware, there's so many other families who are not whole. And so BG's not here to say this, but I will gladly speak on her behalf and say that BG and I will remain committed to the work of getting every American home, including Paul, whose family is in our hearts today as we celebrate BG being home. Alex Rimmer wrote an excellent story on the release, and he had some choice words about the rank politicization of the whole Brittany Griner episode. A note to those who want to try and make this a political point between Griner and American Paul Whelan, still held in Russia on espionage charges, the Phoenix Mercury and WNBA All-Star and Olympic medal winner said one of the first things she wants to do is speak out in an effort to get Whelan back home. You think about that. Also. Remember, had an excellent story on should WNBA players go to Russia? And some have been quoted as saying they would if the money was right and if things changed in Russia. But a number of WNBA players are playing in countries such as Turkey and Hungary. Now, Hungary should definitely raise a red flag for people because 
Hungary is the mo- is perhaps ran by one of the most homophobic leaders in the world in Viktor Orban. They are a nation that has a high level of anti-LGBTQ legislation that in some ways rivals Putin's Russia. Sid Ziegler had an excellent article on the death of Grant Wall, one of the most important journalistic voices in soccer in the United States. Talked about how he wore a pride shirt out of respect for his brother who is gay. Excellent story. Check it out. With that in mind, we got a couple shout outs this week. One to the official referee of the transporter room, Jacqueline Harper Grubb. Congratulations on her first roller derby game. Oh, by the way, her derby name, Subcommander T. Payne. Now, Harper Grubb plays for the Brockton, Massachusetts Bruisers. Had a first game against Cape Cod last night and saw some of the video. She did pretty good. We're going to have some excerpts later in the week, and we're going to put them in the liner notes. And a special shout-out to a friend of the show and a member of Transporter Room Nation, Charlotte McEacher. McEacher is training to be a professional wrestler. They are already doing the work at Monster Factory um, being a wrestling referee. And they were named Monster Factory's Inspiration of the Year for 2022. Congratulations, Charlotte. We'll see you in the squared circle. And that's the Red Alert Claxon. You know what that means. Got to take a break, pay some bills, give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, there was a lot of daring do on bikes that involved mud and some snow. Our full report from the USA Cycling Cyclocross National Championships. And there was some history made over the weekend. We have that coming up. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay Webb, and I spent a weekend at the USA Cycling Cycle Across National Championships, and there was a lot of great racing, all towards one goal, a national championship, and wearing that special jersey emblazoned in stars and stripes. Now, on Saturday, December 10th, a new division joined the line. Four competitors were set to roll off into history. They were the field of the first non-binary division national championship. The field included a Michigander named Sam Hansen, a Minnesotan who now lives in Vermont named Kristen Sundkist, an Oregonian named Summer Newlands, and a Washingtonian named Hen Watts. Their names would be forever etched in the annals of USA Cycling with this inaugural championship. Their reasons the race were clear, and this was a race in space that they could truly call theirs. In the case of Hansen, who back in Michigan does a lot for inclusion in cyclocross and gravel riding, and is also the state gender expansive category cyclocross champion, the reason to be here was pretty elementary. To race as me, that's the most important thing for me. I've spent this whole season, last whole season, not racing in 
anything but non-binary or gender expansive races. I've helped build up uh, in both the gravel and CX scene in Michigan. We now have either non-binary or gender expansive in all of our races, our, all of our series. And so it's been great because I refuse to race as someone that I'm not anymore. It's not worth it. Ken Watts has a similar history. In October, they became their state's first non-binary cyclocross champ. They credit the team, Breakfast Racing Team, for helping them to make a transcontinental trek all the way to Connecticut to be in this historic race. And I joined this team because it was a team that specifically uh, a, a trans-inclusive. Uh, it's not just a women's team. Um, and that was really important to me. Uh, and I felt just so much love from my teammates, from my co-captains. Um, I mean, they sent me here with extra gear. They uh, they helped me buy a whole new drivetrain for this uh, for this event, and it just left me feeling like as prepared as I could be. Now, Sundkiss has a very interesting story. When they're not on a bike, they're on a camera. They make many documentaries and i have a link in the liner notes stuff they make it's pretty cool but also they had a goal in 2022 that kind of got taken away from them thanks to transphobia you see sunkiss was preparing to enter in women's elite competition in cyclocross they had the team ready they had sponsors ready everything ready to go and then in june the UCI shot the dream out from under them by passing what I refer to as the Emily Bridges rule, tightening up the changes for transgender inclusion, not due to anything in a, on a competitive basis, but strictly due to hysteria and pressure. Disappointing, but Sunkiss said this opportunity refired her resolve. This has been a, like, a good way to kind of uh, recapture the season for me to like get to race a championship race and that feels really good and I'm really grateful for that. Now Newlands plan to be here anyway. You see Newlands racing for Team S&M not only rides bikes they also keep the teammates bikes working as a mechanic and they do some coaching as well. But when this opportunity came to the fore they figured what the heck let's do it. I've been out here all week. I watched the pre-ride video. It was kind of unfortunate. I didn't really see any uh, media about it ahead of time. Just kind of found out about it actually from another team that was talking about it, um, Breakfast Club. But um, when I saw that, I kind of figured I was going to be out here anyways as a coach and working in the pits. So I figured I might as well give it a shot. Now the race began with Newlands leaping to the front. Sunkiss kept the gap close throughout the first lap through the heart of the circuit. But the drama in the race came near the first lap. On Now, there is an area where you go up a hill and down a hill, but the mud was so thick that you got to get off the bike, you've got to hoof it, and then you got to find a place to remount and keep going. Newlands was able to navigate this twisty up and down rise. Sunkiss, when they attempted it, crashed while trying to remount the bike. The crash dropped the chain along the rear derailleur. 
there was some fast field maintenance involved. Sunkiss got going again, but the damage was done. Handed precious seconds to Newland, who was already steadily building a lead. The Team S&M campaigner had a strategy. Newlands wanted to start strong and stay up front, and it worked for them. Even as Sunkiss tried to push on to nibble away at the advantage with the teammates cheering hard, Newlands was in command early on. Now, Ken Watts was a distant third with Hansen hobbled by a sore back running in fourth. For Newland, the goal in laps two and three of the race was to avoid the big mistake and just keep the bike rolling. And they powered on to the last lap and they kept it tidy to the finish and a national championship. It wasn't easy. That was a tough race, but um, yeah, I just kind of raced to my strong suit. I knew that if I was able to get out early that I was gonna maybe have some time to rest later in the race. Um, so I kind of just tried to start the race hard and make make my own lines. Now Sundekist never quit. They ended up second some 47 seconds behind, earning the silver with compliments to the new champ. Kind of right from the start of summer. I, I was on their wheel right in the beginning. I tried to get the full shot, but they just kind of eked me out. Um, and then I was just kind of chasing from there. Um, summer had some really good lines and I was kind of feeling a little shaky. And then coming around to the end of lap one, I crashed on my bike and bent my derailleur. So I had to hit my bike. And then every lap after that, I, I went through the pits again. Um, and yeah, I tried to call my way back, but I just didn't have the power in me. So it was a really great race and I'm glad I could have raced with Summer today. What powered home to third, adding a national championship bronze to that Washington State title they won in October. I knew I had a good support crew here, so I was able to swap bikes whenever I felt I needed to and keep my tires clean, which was really critical on this uh, sloppy and very sticky course. Frozen sections in the shade and then really loose, really slippery sections in the sun. Um, and it was just those changing conditions and the fact that this course has been ridden all week uh, just left a bunch of ruts that you had to navigate. Um, yeah, it was fun though. I had a good time out there. Hansen pushed a sore body home to fourth place, but enjoyed the experience of being in the race. So I came in with a slightly tweaked back and I went down and I just lost my back muscles. And when your back muscles give out, so does all of your core. And all of a sudden you have no power and you can't hold a line. So I fell down like 10 more times. On the podium, there were smiles and pride all around. And not only did Newlands win the race, they definitely won the fashion show. See, they entered the podium with a really stylish top. Leopard print if you're scoring at home, but that was quickly covered up by the Garmin they've wanted ever since they started in the junior ranks. The symbol of a national champion. A national championship that meant a little something extra. Summer Newland national champion. How's that sentence sound to you? Feels pretty good. I've been looking for a jersey for a long time and it's great to see it in a category that is aligned with my gender and with people that I really enjoy racing with. The non-binary race was a headliner on Saturday, but on Sunday, the, the best of the best took center stage. The elite level championship races 
occurred. And at times it looked like the championships would be decided in a snow globe. But this time of year with snow, you get a little holiday magic going. And there was a special magician in the women's race. Her name, Austin Killips. At age 26, she's a budding elite level pro in cyclocross. And this season was a breakout year. She's been hotly competitive all season. And one month ago, she broke through to her first professional win at the Northampton International in Massachusetts. Now, there are some people who take umbrage to her ability on a bike because to them, a transgender woman doesn't belong. And a year ago, a group of protesters tried to drive that point home at these same cyclocross nationals held in the Grange, Illinois, just a stone's throw away from Killips' hometown, Chicago. She rode home to 10th place with a milestone occurring around her. A lot of anti-trans protests. People holding up anti-trans signs every time she rode by. But what a difference a year makes. She entered the race on Sunday, number three in the U.S. Pro Cyclocross rankings. That's right. Ms. Killips is a contender. And perhaps even a potential champion. But to get there... She has to get past a field that included Raylan Nuss, who has had a running battle with Killips all season, and they always seem to finish so close to each other. And the entire field knew to be the best, you got to beat the best. And for the last two elite women's finals, Clara Hansinger has been the best, and she eyes a third straight championship. But at the start, it looked like it just might be Austin Killip's day. She won the whole shot. She was quickly reeled in as they got into the heart of the course. A lot of dicing, a lot of tussling, a lot of changes in the order. At the end of the reshuffle, it was Nuss up front. However, Hansiger, who started slow, was methodically picking riders off. She moved from 8th to 2nd by the halfway point of the first lap and she was right on Nuss's tail. Killips was in third and being reeled into a battle for that spot with a group of chasers that included another trans woman in the fray, Jenna Lingwood. Now, three days prior to this race, she won a Masters Division National Championship and was now fighting hard in this high-stakes battle. Up front, lap two, Hansinger made her move up front. Nuss bumped the second. Killips was still hanging on the third. But now the chase group was led by aggressive Hannah Orensman. And she was sizing up Killips because she wanted that spot. As Killips furiously raced, however, there was the other change from last year. Instead of jeers from the protesters, her and Lingwood were cheered all over the course. There were contingents of trans people and allies, many of them local. Many had heard that protests might happen, and they organized into, like, ad hoc mini booster clubs. But the protesters, thankfully, yay, didn't show up. Didn't matter. The support was right there, and the cheers and the cowbells were going. With the heat of the battle rising, both could use every cowbell and cheer they could get. Now, the laps were ticking away, 
Anzinger beginning to consolidate a lead just as the clear conditions at the start of the race gave way to a snow shower. Now, Hansinger is a champion because she knows what to do when the conditions change. She adapts, and she knows what to do on the bike and when you have to get off of it. Nuss gamely tried to close the gap. She was running out of time. Gillips and Arnsman were locked in a duel for that last seat on the podium, and as the snow started to build, so did the pressure. On lap four, Arnsman found a way around Killips and took third place. But by the end of that lap, Killips didn't panic, didn't freeze, did execute. They snatched the lead back just in time for the bell lap. One lap, 2.2 miles to go for the podium. Now up front, Hansinger had everything in control. And she had a nice, snowy, dreamy approach to lead her home down the final straightaway to her third straight national title. Nuss glided home in second and took all the congratulations all the way down the home stretch. But third place was the Battle Royale. Killips was running for her life and Arnsman was chasing all the way to the end. Killips didn't let off until those last 50 meters and an intense scowl gave way to a happy, snowy smile. I feel like I raced really hard and I'm, you know, proud to, to lay it out there and get the results I got. You know, Raylan and Clara, see, like, they really, really had a great race out there, it seems. So I was hoping to keep up with them, but I'm proud, proud of where I landed. That smile brightened even more on the podium. It was a well-earned third place. And there were cheers all around for Hansinger, who added to her growing resume, and for Nuss, who finished a well-earned second. What's next for Austin Killips? Short rest and then back on a plane and over to Europe. More races ahead. But she'll take some fond memories with her. Not just of a race roll run, but also of the love of the sport that keeps her going. I care dearly about my, my competitors. I care about women's cycling and just trying to grow the sport, be a positive influence, do what I can to bring resources and, and support. A special thanks to USA Cycling's media coordinator, Tom Mahoney, for running an excellent press room and being so helpful this past weekend. And congratulations to all the teams, all the athletes, especially the national champions. On Carly's last call this week, I want to pay homage to a dear friend and someone I consider a sister in sport. You see, I happen to know this loud, proud trans woman who can lift weights and is pretty good on the curling ice from Minnesota. Her name is J.C. Cooper. J.C. Cooper is one of the first athletes I had the pleasure to write a story about since I joined the Outsports team. And can you believe next year will mark four years on the Outsports team? Wow, where does the time go? J.C. Cooper is somebody who inspires me. She's someone I look up to. In part because she never stops fighting. And in part because when she saw injustice, she didn't waver. She faced it head on. In this case, the injustice that USA powerlifting has put on her for the past four years. She didn't take it lying down. She met it head on. When they tried to take away her right to compete, she fought for it. When they tried to mess with her and say say she can't compete when they came at her with transphobia 
She didn't lower herself to fit the company. She raised up and gave an example for all of us. A lot of the fight back that you're seeing right now, as far as trans people in sports speaking out, J.C. Cooper had a little bit of something to do with that just by her example. She won't. She will never admit to that. But the rest of us know it. And we just want her to know it. Two years ago, J.C. Cooper, after uh, after everything else has been tried, decided that, no, USA powerlifting must be held to the count in the highest, most stringent way possible. And on that day, she threw down the gauntlet. I don't want anyone to experience what I and other trans athletes have and continue to experience. Having our basic human dignity question and opportunities denied because we are trans. We all benefit when sports are as inclusive as possible, when we organize around our shared humanity and collective empowerment. I believe in the power of sports to bring people together and build strong communities. Women should be able to participate and succeed at every level, including trans women. Um, that is why today I joined with Gender Justice, Pull for Pride, and a myriad of other organizations in moving forward with this legal case. Um, sports belong to all people. Sport is a human right. Now, two years from the moment those words came out of her mouth, this lawsuit will now have a day in court. A summary judgment hearing will occur on Friday. Whether this case goes forward or not will be decided at this hearing. Now, with this coming up, JC admitted via her social media that it is a bit overwhelming. The moment of truth is here. And she asked that we show a little support. And there's a couple ideas for that that she left. She said, first idea, leave an uplifting comment of support this week and send some positive energy towards the legal team and myself. The second ask was to whether your money jiggle jiggles or folds. Kick in a little bit for gender justice. You see, gender justice is the organization that's providing the legal framework for this case. And they do a lot of great work. So if you feel if you feel inclined to give, and I might I'm gonna kick in a little bit in the kitty myself, go to genderjustice.us slash donate. Now this link will also be in the liner notes. But I want to get back to the first ask for a minute. Like I said, you've inspired me. I look up to you. You're a friend. You're a sister. And you've always impressed and inspired me with the way that you've handled yourself in this case. Even when it gets emotional, you stayed cool. I admire you for the way that when you're interviewed, you put it right on the line. No pussyfooting around, no sugarcoating. You say the things that need to be said. I take a lot of cues from you. And I'm glad that you're finally having this day to once again speak truth to power. 
And all I can tell you is on Friday, look them in the eye and give them hell. And when you win the day, and I believe you will win the day, I want to come out to Minnesota, see you spinning at some club, and I want to dance and celebrate all night long. Because like I said, it's really hard to keep a good woman down. And J.C. Cooper, you are the best of women. And that's the transporter room for this week. And just a reminder to all of you in Transporter Room Nation, if there's someone you want to see or something you want to say about what we do or something on this show that you think we need to do, we're heading into a new year. So we're always looking for new ideas. If you have them, leave a message on our Twitter page, leave a message on our Facebook page, and leave a message at our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Remember, everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you. I do it for the people who support us. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week. <laughs>